Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast, located in Seattle, Washington. As a church, we are a community striving to be faithfully present to God, self, and others. We hope this is an encouragement to you in your life, no matter where you are. Thanks for joining us. For those of you who have been, have been with us, we've been working through the, through the seven sayings uh, in the book of John. And so Alex has taken on the first three. We learned that uh, Jesus claims, that he, he says, I am the bread of life. And we see that he says that he is the, the light of the world. And we see that he says last week, he gets into this, gets into this of, of shepherding. And he says that he's the door. And if, you, if that sounds confusing to you, go back to last week and you could listen to Alex, Alex through the doorness of a shepherd. But today, hey, we're going to get into his statement where he says that I am the good shepherd. And, and we'll break that down and look into this. I, I think it's, it's beautiful text. It's a great metaphor for us. Um, and we, we'll dive into shepherding and all of those things. And we'll look at it under uh, three, three basic things. The good shepherd, the hired hand, as you heard Jeremiah, Jeremiah pick up that a little bit. And if you're going to look at those two, you've got to look at the sheep. You've got to look at, look at us and, and see how we respond to these these. And so let's dive in. I, I think uh, I had Joseph read Psalm 23, because I think even if you're not uh, in the church in any sort of deep way, everybody knows Psalm 23. We love Psalm 23. You hear it at weddings, you hear it at funerals, you hear it at all, you hear it at all kinds. Um, of all of the chapters in the Bible, I mean, John 3.16, definitely up there, but everybody knows Psalm 23. Love the sound of Psalm 23. You know, you get led beside still waters. You're, I mean, what, make sure I get this right. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. I fear no evil, for you're with me. That's great stuff. We that idea of shepherd. That's vacation shepherd. That is everything we're ever looking for. The idea of, of being led by still waters and Got a hammock for you. That sounds fantastic. We love the idea of shepherding. If you were in Jesus' time in first century Judea, you probably would have heard the discussion of shepherd or the metaphor of shepherd with a bit more nuance or maybe a bit more detail. None of you own sheep. Some of you own chickens. None of you own sheep. And so it's, it's, it's a, bit of a bit of a metaphor stretched for us uh, it, was, it was used in two primary ways. Uh, political leaders loved to use it because they loved the sort of Psalm 23-esque-ness of it, that they were providers for their people, that they would take their people to greener pastures, that they would provide for their people. And so they would pick up, pick up on this of it. And so, um, you know, if you're Donald Trump in 2016, you're saying that, you know, I'm the only solution, I'm the only one that can sol solve this. Well, then they changed the language a bit. They called themselves shepherds of the people. And so it was pretty common language to use that about a leader, that they would want to be seen as a shepherd that cared for people. And this is used not just in Israel, but like Babylonian leaders, we see reference to it, like all, all kinds of different people groups, because they were all aware of what, what shepherds were and what they did. The second aspect of it was quite agrarian, in the sense that you knew who the shepherds were. These guys, guys were out in the field, they're dirty, they, they, look, they look out for the sheep, 
in the most practical ways. I was hoping the more, I was hoping the more this morning. Maybe they're in kidsmen. They're veterinarians, right? Uh, the shepherd was the veterinarian. When the, when the sheep breaks a leg, he has no one else to call. And, and so these are the stay-at-home moms of the sheep. They take care of everything that gets broken. They look out for, in the most, most practical way, know them. And so you end up with this very all-include, all complete relationship because they spend all their time out there with them. They know the sheep, and the sheep know them. The shepherd was, was wholly responsible for the sheep. Everything came down on them. There's no democracy in sheep herding, in shepherding. <laughs> I think that's, that's where we get that. Now that I think about it, all week, it's shepherding, shepherding. Um, <laughs> thank you. I should have realized that on Tuesday, but I didn't. Uh, uh, they have this all-inclusive relationship with them. They know them, and they're fully responsible for them. There's no sheep counsel. Everything comes back down to how, to how well there does at his task, how well he cares for them. And if there's failure, it all comes back on the shepherd. Let's pick up our text this morning. This is John 10, verse 11. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus said that he's the good shepherd. In the Greek, this is the word kalos, and you could use two words in Greek uh, uh, for that could be translated into the English good. You have kalos and agathos, and the difference between those is, is, is important it's today um, because you could go good either way, but the one thing you can do with Kalos is you can recognize it as model. And so I think what Jesus was probably saying here, saying here, if you want to look at what a shepherd, if you want to see a shepherd do well, you need a type, you need a model. And so he's saying that I'm the model shepherd. If you want to see how this should be done well, look to Jesus. Look at how he cares about his sheep. And he says in verse 14, I'll skip down to the end because it's relevant in this section. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So if you remember from verse four, further up, further up briefly went over this. The sheep hear his voice. They know he is. And so there's a presence, there's a knowingness to this. But the key part of verse 11, especially as it comes to, as it pertains to the gospel, is that the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we're going to see that this is the, the distinguishing factor that makes Jesus not just a hired hand, not just a run-of-the-mill shepherd, but the model shepherd, is that he is willing to, he is willing to live life for his friends, for his sheep. We have to recognize, and this, and this is true gospel, you, you know this if you've read through Romans, right? If you've read through the New Testament, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We've all separated ourselves from God. But we see Jesus as the model shepherd who goes out and pursues, who lays down his life, his life for his, who looks out for them. I, I think it's good to, good to be reminded of that because we don't always feel close to God if we're being honest with ourselves. Like when you first became a believer and you were praying really honest prayers, and you were thirsty for the word. All of those things were true. We don't stay there. We commonly feel distant from God. 
But if you feel, but if you feel God, you've got to know that because he's the good shepherd, he's the one that comes after you. This is not about you cleaning up to somehow become closer to God. This is about rec- recognizing the pursuit of you. You don't have to clean yourself up first. He comes after you. And so seeing lost sheep, we see, Je- we see Jesus as the one who comes to remedy that, who, who comes out for them. One of the things that, the things that I really make sure you guys got when we were preaching through the Passion account in the book of Mark, if you guys go back into those sermons, Alex and I tried to reiterate this over and over and over, how much Jesus gave up his own life. No one took it from him. He didn't get captured. He didn't get caught. Even if you look at him in the trial, remember when he's in front of the Sanhedrin and the, 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 the high is attempting to convict him of something, anything that would allow him to put him to death. Remember, as you're working through that text, that they didn't have enough evidence until Jesus willfully gave them the evidence that they needed to convict him. Everything he does there is him laying down his life of his own accord. I want you to realize that Jesus, he, he, again, he didn't just get, get caught. He chose to lay down his life for his sheep. He chose to come after you even though you couldn't do it on your own. That is why Jesus is our model shepherd. Because he comes out out at a cost on behalf of the sheep. Now, there's something to contrast with with here because we go to verse 12. Jesus is gonna make sure that if you pick this up, that if there's a model shepherd, of course, there's a not model shepherd. And so Paul says says this. He says, "He he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the, sh- the sheep flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for nothing. For- Chapter 10, it mentions thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers are evil, right? They come into the sheep pen, sheep pen and these guys would take hundreds and hundreds of sheep at once. They would try to sneak them out in the middle of the night because your, um, your bank account was fluffier in first century Judea. It was sheep. It was livestock, commonly. And so this was a way of stealing money. You're robbing the bank. You're robbing the sheep pens. And, and so, and, and so they, these guys are evil. We can distinguish them. But the hired, the hired hand, wicked. He's not evil. But he's not in it for the sheep, the sheep either, as we're going to see. Because the, when the wolf shows up, He's not willing to lay down his life. He's not willing to put himself at risk. He's a self-preserver, not a sheep preserver. He could do any other job, but this happens to be the job that he can get. He's not going to do it at the cost of his life. He's not willing to go that far. If it gets dangerous, if it gets difficult, the sheep are going to be on their own. Because no paycheck is worth your life, Right? No paycheck is worth your life. And so the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But note that he looks the part. He looks exactly like a shepherd until he runs. He looks, he looks like a shepherd until he runs. And what, Je- and what Jesus is doing, he's calling out the religious leaders of his day. He's, he's calling out what he sees in their heart. 
that they're much more interested in themselves, their own preservation, their own preservation of reputation and financial well-being than they ever are for the sheep. They, they are poor shepherds and stewards of God's people, people, which is what they were called to be. They'll perform their religious tasks when it's not risky. That's not hard. I will tell you as a pastor, that part's not hard. hard. But if it gets hard or dangerous, if they think their reputation might be on the line, if they think they might lose their jobs by saying something, or people might speak ill of them, there's easier paychecks to be had. It's easier to jump off the field, field regardless of what happens to the sheep, because they are self-preservers, not sheep preservers. Hired hands are worried about what's in their job description, making sure that they don't have to do anything more than what they're being paid for. They want to make sure they get their paycheck on time. They're also the types you can't question. If you have a concern about how they're, lead, how they're leading, doing, or the decisions that are, being, that are being made, you can't get a meeting with these guys. Not with the hired hand. They don't take your questions. They don't need your feedback unless it's encouragement. The sheep aren't theirs, and so they're not concerned for them. And the sheep that they're responsible for tending can go find greener pastures, but it's never going to be these shepherds. It's never going to be the hired hands that will lead them there, will take them there. If you find hired hands in your church leadership, I'd encourage you to leave and go find greener pastures, but they will never guide you there themselves. Let's talk about the sheep. We've the model shepherd. We talked about the hired hands, but again, if you don't talk about the sheep, how does this come together? We're all sheep. It's the, it's the metaphor the Bible uses for us, and it's, it's borderline insulting, but it's true. Uh, sheep are not smart. Sheep are dim. So are we. So are we. I printed out four of my five pages of notes this morning. <laughs> four of five. It's like flying a plane without land. Without it's really the important part, and part is five. We, 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 we do this all the time. This is, this is the reality of being human beings. That we, we get distracted and disoriented and discouraged. And the reality is if we look, we look at our, we recognize that what we need more than anything is a shepherd. Some, some sort of a, some sort of guide, something that will give us a north star and direct us. Page five is not on the floor. That's a whole different page that fell. <laughs> but thank you. I looked everywhere for page five. <laughs> it is not here. <laughs> um, <laughs> printers are printers are amazing, aren't they? I was talking to someone back there, and I said, you know, if you go back to Office Space which is a 2001 movie. What is the thing that they beat? They beat a space. It's a printer. It's the same way we feel today. But anyway, the sheep are the ones operating it. The sheep are the ones operating it. 
No one wants to be sheep. And it's really easy when you look at somebody who is 10 or 15 years younger than you, no offense, guys, and you watch them live, live like their sheep, that makes total sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. But, but the reality is, is there are people that are 15 years older than me watching me walk through life, life, and he goes, that's definitely a sheep. It's the perfect description for us. Some of you, um, if, if, you're, if you're on social media, you've certainly seen the video of the sheep that they dig out of the ditch, and it runs further down the ditch, and what does it do? It jumps right back into the ditch. It's, 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 the, it's the real, and it's us. It's really a true description of us. Intellectually, as Christians, we work this idea. It makes sense that we're sheep. The Bible goes over way too often for us to ignore it and dismiss it and just say, what does God know? What, what is, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We, we recognize in our own life experiences as we walk through that we, we are definitely sheep, sheep. But it's one thing to be there intellectually. It's another thing to be there in practice. It's another thing to be there and be there in practice because as a sheep, you've got to be willing to relinquish some authority in your own life. So, if you are the one that is giving direction, absent of your shepherd, you will lead yourself to failure. You know you will. You can get away with it for a while, for a while, but you know it'll lead to failure. We like Savior Shepherd. We like, we like Greenster Shepherd. We like hammock shepherd. We struggle with authority shepherd. And that is what it is to be under a Lord, to use the biblical term. Lord shepherd might say no to you. Might say to your, no to your life plans. Lord shepherd might ask you to trust him in an area where it's not comfortable. Might ask you to yield when you want to move forward on something. He might ask you to give up something that you deeply desire because it's not good for you. Lord Shepherd is an authority, not you. We, we really do struggle to yield to that. We do really, we do really give up in things, to, to, to give up on things that are deeply in our plans, that, that think are, are right. But the Lord Shepherd loves you. Any of you that are in the room that are parents will pick up on this. Uh, there's, there's no deeper love in a human relationship, sorry, honey, than, than between a parent and a child. There's no deeper relationship. And of the two metaphors that we have in Scripture for God's relationship with us, one is shepherd and sheep, and the other is parent and child. You have to see the Lord Shepherd as not, as not just authority, but loving authority. Um, it was Halloween this week. Eight pieces of candy is enough. You, you, you watch them tear through those, pack, those packages. Mine, I've got it. This is my bucket. And yet you know what's good for them in the moment. is to not going. It's the parent-child relationship. You need a bath. And we know you do. And I know you don't want to hear this, 
but because I love you, you need a bath. The Lord Shepherd will push us in ways that aren't comfortable, but really are, are best for us. And, and I'll just say, as, as, as one of your pastors, this is why we're, we're so blunt in our pastoral care meetings. Because I'm not there to tickle your ear. To the best of my knowledge and, and, and to the best of the Spirit, to the spirits, we are attempting to be that role. To, to follow the little shepherd, to love well and go where it's difficult and not just tickle ears. We want to be honest with you. What does your relationship with Jesus look like as it pertains to authority and shepherdness? I like the bumper sticker. It actually comes from like a 1940s reference, but the bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot, co-pilot, like he's in the right seat. Is that how you treat God? Hey, God, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what it would look like for me to be successful and for me to feel valued in the way that I want, and this is what I need to be able to do to go about that. You're on board, right, God? Or is God giving you direction? Alex likes to ask the question, what lights are on your dashboard? He's talking about like check engine lights. <laughs> what lights are on your dashboard? How do you know? How do you self-diagnose how I'm doing with this idea of Jesus as Lord, as my shepherd? I think one of the better ways to do that is to look at your spiritual disciplines. And this is going to seem kind of dogmatic, maybe. Like, maybe. Hear me out. Hear me out. Um, spiritual disciplines are not attitudes about God. They're behaviors with God. They're about doing. So you pray, you fast, you read, you worship, you serve, you learn. First Timothy 4 tells us to, to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. There's a lots of things that you can do to grow closer to God. Um, you can go rowing on a lake if you want. You can do yoga and grow closer to God in some way. Spiritually connect with God, maybe. And it might be helpful, but it's not a spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines are things that we see in Scripture that are, that are to draw us closer into God, to experience Him more. Because when you're in Scripture, and I'm not preaching against yoga, you do you. My downward dog is nowhere near yours. But... but so take it for what it is, but, but it does not have the function of bringing you to bringing God's holiness to bear in your life. Because when you see God's holiness and God's godliness, you are brought into relief against who you actually are. You start to see yourself more as the sheep that you actually are. You come, come to terms with your own shortcomings. And so thereby, to use 1 Timothy 4 language, you discipline yourself purpose of godliness. When you spend time in the word, when you spend time in prayer, when you go through the behavior of, behavior of 
that is intended to draw you closer into God, to experience him on a deeper level, in ways, though I love my canoe, that the canoe will never, never do. You'll never be brought to bear with that quite in that way. And so that's why we encourage you to follow through the spiritual disciplines, because they are healthy for you. I think we know on some level that we are distracted, disoriented, and discouraged. Every year we're coming up, what, eight, nine weeks out from New Year's, and every year we hit New Year's, and we, we get these, I mean, I just, I just joined a gym, but I'll go to the gym more in January, right? And the gym is packed full of sheep because they know that after the holidays and they've disappointed themselves once again, again, to get to better living, they should reorient themselves. And the New Year's resolution is horrible. That's why your Bible reading plan rarely makes it out of Exodus. You know it's true. I know it's true. Because we get this idea that we need, that we need a shepherd, but we have a hard time following through and committing to that idea of needing a shepherd. Because by February, we seem to have good enough traction. We're going to the gym twice a week that maybe it'll be okay. But we need a shepherd. I think it's good I think it's good to go back and look at Jesus' language of compassion towards us. This is what he says. He encounters a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. In other words, when Jesus looked upon the crowd, he said what they need more than anything is a proper orientation in their life of who they are and who God is. He looked at them with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd and his response to that was to draw him closer to himself by teaching them many things. That's higher for you, is to keep a compass in your life, to keep a north star in your life, centered fully in him, rooted not only on the peace, the peaceful savior, vacation, shepherd Jesus, but on his lordship as well, because, because it's so good for us. And now for page five. <laughs> Thank God for iPads. I like, I like this Jimmy quote. I think this will be helpful. This is what you would have missed otherwise. He says, everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they could see that it's not the answer. That even if we got everything, some of some of harder and luckier uh, and have more financial well-means to land in a better spot. But even if you get everything you ever dreamed of and ever desired, you'll find that that wasn't the answer, that it wasn't enough, that you're still sheep without a shepherd, that you don't have the deepness and richness of a relationship with a God who genuinely loves you. And so my prayer to echo Jesus' Jesus is, is that you would be sheep with a shepherd, and that you'd be drawn closer into him. He's the model shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the shepherd that doesn't require you to bring yourself in, but comes out after you.
that was willing to lay down his life for you because he loved you so much. This is the Jesus that looked upon you from heaven and had compassion on you and so came down to you, to you, so that you might know him and know his love for you. On the last night before he died, before he gave up his life, Jesus had a final meal with his friends, with his disciples that had been following him for years. And he took the bread and he broke it and he thanked God. He said, this is my body. When you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. He wanted them to have a, a meal that they go back to and remember how much he cared for them, that the good shepherd is the one who would break his own body for them, that would shed his own blood to bring them in, that be the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, so that all of their, their steps, all of their sin could be redeemed. Everything that separated them from God could be brought and made right. So he gave them the bread, bread. And after the meal, Jesus took the cup of wine and he thanked God and he gave it to them, saying, drink this, all of you, because this is my blood, the new promise of God's unfailing love, and do this, do this in remembrance of me. Each week, as a, as a church, we come forward and we take that meal that if you count yourself as a sheep of the model shepherd, if you, if you call yourself a believer in Christ who is yielding and surrendering your life to him, come with us. I'll invite the communion service forward. Come take that meal and remember that he's your model shepherd that loves, loves you like that. And parents, last thing I'll, thing I'll say, feel free to take time now Come take communion on your own if that's helpful, or go get your kids and walk through, walk through communion with them. But as you're ready and feel led, uh, come forward and take communion.